So the other day, I came across the very first thing that I ever wrote, the very first story that I ever wrote for my job, basically, as in, in public relations. Uh, I actually uh, was taking through a drawer for a file, and uh, by the, 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 the luck of it, I had picked out the wrong one, and when I opened it up, I was like, oh my god, and it was like on, like, I hadn't seen, I wrote it in, like, August of 2007, it was, like, the very first thing I ever wrote, um, hired out of college, and I just, like, you ever had those moments where you're, like, you kind of just, like, sit back in your chair, <laughs> you know, when you have, like, an old photo or something you haven't seen in a long time, and you're, like, studying it, and... Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve, and this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. So... It was on. Um, it, it was it was students using uh, iPods uh, in the classroom for Throwback. learning purposes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. And at the time, it was just like this this very innovative way of, you know, taking something that was very new or newish um, and implementing it in an instructional setting. So I wrote something for the organization that I was, uh, you know, working on behalf of. Um, to sort of highlight how they were being used. And then I started remembering how this 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 piece was really like a springboard to like this this understanding of the industry of writing um, and what good writing looks like and and how it really kind of not just tells the story of what you think it's about, whatever that the topic is, but also how language is used and how people respond to to words and 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 language so the long and short of it is i can remember after i wrote that the team that i work on still do had this like editing session <laughs> which was kind of like looking back at it now it's like we would probably never do something like this anymore but we had this like editing session where it was like bring something that you've recently worked on and like have a co somebody on your team like edit it for you and it's like there was never any like uh, you know it's not like these were going to like experts or anything like you know it was just like have somebody edit this so i had this brand new like really flashy ipod story that i was kind of pumped about and i'm like they're gonna love this and i just kind of like you know i emailed it to this woman on my team and about a week later we had this this team meeting and it was like we're going to exchange you know our edit notes on everything now uh, I'm, I'm already traumatized because this sounds like critiques that I had all through college in all of my art classes where you get your assignment, you do your assignment, you go to class, you hang it up on the wall, and then everyone tells you what they think about it. And most of mine were not good. But anyway, go ahead. Well, no, because like I, I see I went into it not thinking at it, about it that way. I went into it because of my college experience at St. Rose, thinking about it from I'm a pretty good writer because I wrote for our, our campus paper for four years. I was an editor for three years. Like I know how to write and tell a good story. And when I got the iPod paper back, it looked like somebody bled out all over it because there was just so much red lined all over the paper with like question marks and arrows. And it really did. It looked like you got a paper back from like your, you know, your ninth grade English teacher or something like that. And I remember being like, well, what the like, I can't be that bad. Right. So like I'm reading through some of the notes and it's very critical about like, how does this connect? This lead isn't this. You're using improper language here. This has to be more AP style here. 
And I remember rocking back like on my heels and being like, oh, my God, like, am I not as good of a writer as I thought I was now? I mean, again, like, again, coming from from the paper world, like I was the editor. So everything I wrote was great because no one was like doing quality (laughs) control on this. So as far as I'm concerned, like I know what I'm doing. And then I have somebody kind of critiquing my writing and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in a job where it's like it's public relations. Like a big part of what I do is writing. If I can't do this, I'm not going to be here that much longer. And so it, it kind of like set me down on this path of like every time I would write something from there on out, I have these sort of notes from this one person on our team who was very journalistically driven and very AP style driven because that's what we followed on our team because our team was comprised of a bunch of ex print journalists that that's what we did. So it's sort of by force taught you how to write in a way that I wasn't necessarily the most comfortable with. And it, it didn't mirror the reality of what I would see when I would be working in the school district, which was a very community like environment, you know, people coming together, people supporting people, a lot of families. It didn't have, you know, for th- for those of you who who don't know much about AP style, and it's a very formal written style. It's it's what you see basically when you read a newspaper. You know, you know the the you know according to the White House or it's the institutional lead into it. So like for a school district, it would say you know the X Y Z Central School District. Uh, is proud to announce blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, at, at on April 14th, the XYZ Central School District, blah, blah, blah. It's a very formal, more formal way of, of writing, a more journalistic way of writing. But I think what I was really having a very hard time with is, is that we weren't journalists. And, you know, we were we were public relations professionals. We were very much on building relationships. And what I was very aware of at that time was, you can't build relationships with language that doesn't set out to actually build a relationship. You know, it's like when you, when you address a letter, like, you know, to whom it may concern or, you know, like no one's talking to that person because that, that person is not a human being. It's a very like awkward way of, of, of going about communication. So I I think what was, what was frustrating was that writing was a passion of mine. It was something that I, I deeply cared about. I thought I was pretty good at. And in my first, crack at it on a professional level, I got knocked down a couple of pegs by somebody who looked at the job differently than I looked at it. And what it sort of did was set up this like cultural, you know, shift of, is it journalistic standards for what we do? Or are we writing from a more inclusive community like, you know, direction that allows us to actually kind of pull more people in, but not having the confidence to assume that role at such an early part of my career, I started writing in a way that wasn't what I felt like was right. I started writing in a way that was very professional and very, you know, certain, you know, AP style driven. I had a similar experience to this coming from the place of thinking that you were good at something and the kind of being knocked off your horse in high school I was, let me take it back further. I kind of grew up loving reading and writing. I was definitely more of a language arts kid than a math and science kid. And when I got to high school, for a few years in high school, I was in like AP English. And that was the only like advanced placement other than art that I was in. 
So kind of coming from the same point of view of feeling like I was at least a decent writer, have my head around English, English of, of the non regular art classes in high school, feeling like that was my strongest area going into college. And all of us, I don't know if this was at all liberal arts colleges, but at our college, we all had to take this writing class like first semester freshman year. And I don't remember what it was called. Expository writing. Is that what it is? Yeah. Or what it was? I don't know. Maybe still is. Yep. And I remember writing my first couple of papers in those first few weeks of school and getting like C's on them, which was not typical and feeling like that same thing that you were describing, like maybe I'm not a good writer or maybe I've been doing it wrong, but either way, it really just, just those couple instances. And, and I really, I continue to not do well in that entire class. I think I ended up getting a C in the class except for one paper. And this is interesting that you kind of brought up this having to stay in the, the AP style and having to stay in the structure, because I don't know if the person who marked up your paper was only looking at, looking at it through the lens of, okay, you're not following the rules and you're doing this incorrectly. Or if she was saying, you know, you're not being imaginative or you're not putting heart into it. Because I think that those are two different things to be corrected. And the one paper that I got an A on was a assignment that came, that was not part of our syllabus, that came on a whim because when I first started, I started school in the end of August of 2001. So September 11th happened like a few weeks into my school year, which was what I ended up writing my book about. But we, she just kind of gave us this very open-ended assignment that was write about whatever you want at like right after 9-11 happened. And I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but it was very, I did not pay attention at all to, you know, structure or rules or really, I think, I think the reason that I was struggling in this class was that it was almost coming at it from like a scientific point of view or a mathematical point of view, make sure you're following all these rules. And I was so distracted by that, that I didn't put any heart into it. And this paper that I wrote about 9-11 was, was all heart. And either she overlooked, you know, the structural part of it, or maybe I got it right because I wasn't so, you know, hung up on it. But I think that that happens to us so much, not just in writing, but in, in all art, in graphic design, we have this concept that we learned in school, like when it comes to layout, the grid, you have to, you have to stay in the grid. You always have to have something that lines up with something else. And, and I still mostly stay within that. And I think that that's a really important principle to learn, but it's like, learn the principle, but the principle is not the thing that is going to make it art. It's when you break the grid, it's when you put your heart into your writing or whatever it is that you're creating that's going to make it exceptional. Yeah. And I wonder the damage that it does when you are passionate about something, but you sort of succumb to the environment that you're in and what that does to the caliber of your work or the possibility that, you know, the potential that you could sort of, you know, recognize. Um, Because I, I felt that 
um, you know, pretty immediately after getting those those edits back that like, oh, man, I just started working here and all these other people understand this and this is how they approach it. Like, I'm sure nobody's, you know, <laughs> it seems so weird to have an editing session as a grown, like as an adult, like as if it's like something that you handed to a teacher and that person is a professional who gets it. Like, it just seems so subjective. But, you know, like anybody can relate to it when you're new somewhere you want to fit in, right? So you sort of just assume that like everybody else gets it this way. I have to kind of do it that way. And it, it made writing for me as much as I in, enjoyed the, the, the idea of writing a story about something. I don't think I immersed myself in, in the story because I was so concerned about doing it in a way that was, that fit a structure that was going to avoid getting the least amount of like feedback or, or edits on, on the final product. Yeah. I don't know if you experienced the same thing after kind of getting that feedback, but I don't think I took any more English classes in college at all. For so many years after that, I identified as being a bad writer. I would say that all the time. Even when I started blogging, I would always... Not that I would like think about that course specifically, but I would always look at what everyone else was doing and, and just feeling like my stuff was like not even closer. I wasn't really taking myself seriously and therefore probably no one else was taking me seriously because I was just, you know, always, I don't know, even when I go back and at my old, old blog posts on my old blog and I'm, I'm going in there just to fix it like for SEO purposes but I'm seeing the way that, that I'm writing those posts. It, it's my voice sounds so, I don't know if you ever do this or not. I feel like this is probably more of like a female thing, but I'm almost, I'm making myself sound less intelligent than I am because I'm owning this identity as a person who does not think that she's actually a writer. I'm just a person who's like writing a you know blog post about oh. something stupid. And I hate that. It's, it's, I heard in your voice when you said like when you opens up, when you found that, that printout and you're reading through it, it kind of like brought you back. I don't know. Did it kind of make you do the same thing? Like you were kind of not judging, but thinking about the type, like the person that you were back then when you wrote it and what you were feeling and like what that person's feedback kind of did to you. Yeah. Um, I, I felt, I'm, it was like, oh, I found this piece. Look, it's the iPod piece. And like, I kind of rock back, but it's very, it's like, when I think about that story, I think about that editing session. I don't think about the story as like, oh, that was a really fun story to write. Like there's, there's a number of things in my career that I've written that I remember how I felt when I wrote it. Like there was a piece that I can remember writing about a teacher at the high school in the district that I was in who had been through a, a number of rounds of this very, I think I've told you this story mm -hmm. before. I was thinking about that. Yeah. So she had been through a number of rounds of, um, of, uh, this, this, um, very, uh, rare form of breast cancer. Um, and she had fought it twice. She had been in, uh, she had, she had, uh, beat it twice. And then, she had been diagnosed with it again. And I had wrote a story about how there was these charitable efforts that are taking place. And like, it was right around the time where my mom had gotten diagnosed, maybe about a year after. And I remember just being so immersed in the story. So when I think back on that story, I think about like 
being in it and how I felt and what I poured into it and why I wanted to do it and all those other things. But when I think about that iPod story, which honestly, it's like the first thing you ever wrote, like, you sh yes, there should be a lens of like, oh, wow, look how far I've come. But unfortunately, it was this like knockdown of something that should have been the first step on the journey. And it's like a, you got tripped before you even got out of the blocks. And and it's such a hard thing, I think, to overcome and to find clarity and purpose to something that you actually enjoy doing. Because I took that same course at St. Rose and like we wrote like five or six different types of stories. And I remember really loving it because it was like it, it, it challenged you. And the professor was encouraging and it was something that I actually really, I know you probably had. To I want your, whoever your professor was, I did not have the same one. Robert, Robert <laughs> Kester. Um, I'll never forget that man as long as I live. But that's another reason. Like you think back on that class and you're like, that's a guy who sprung, you know, it was a springboard for me in my, in my career. But yeah, no, when I look back on that, that iPod story, it, it, it definitely has more, more negative connotation than like this was the first step on my writing journey. And maybe in some weird way, it was a helpful step on my writing journey because I realized after forcing myself to write in a way that I wasn't comfortable with that this isn't the way that this is supposed to be when we're writing in like a school setting in an environment that's much more based on community where language like we, us, our, talking about inclusivity is much more impactful than a formal type of distance writing where it's almost like you're separate from the entity that you're writing about. So was there like a moment or a piece that you wrote when you decided that you were just going to ignore what that person said to a degree or did it kind of happen over time where you realized and after being there for longer and you feeling like, you know, you had the confidence to step up and say like, we're being a little too formal here for, for what we're writing about. Yeah. Was there a moment or did it happen over this transformation happen over time? Cause I know that you don't write that way now. You didn't yeah, follow no. that person's advice. No. Um, there wasn't like a moment, there wasn't a hallmark moment, but I think like anything else, when we're starting something new, whether it's a job or a hobby or anything, like we tend to try to, to mimic or be influenced by what we see or what we hear to be as like the way things are typically done. Right. So like you, you try to like form fit into that. But I think what happens over time is if you're lucky enough to stay in it and stay with it, you find what works, you know, for you. This is the funny thing about like working out. I am notorious for like being so inconsistent with like working out and I will like look up, you know, different ways that like people train or people run or how they stay motivated. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to do that. And like, it doesn't work for me, but like where I have found my most sustained success is when it's like, I'm just going to do this, you know, for me in the way that I want to do this. And when I say sustained, that's a stretch because it's not like it's still consistent. <laughs> the two but days, feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, it's a big accomplishment of my life, <laughs> but I feel like it's much more like mine. I think it's the same way when we're talking about like, you know, a, a job or, or, or an interest, like eventually you find your own, your own sphere, you find your own voice. And I think for me, I just looked around, you know, like, you know, you realize that you're, you're every day you're showing up to a community that cares a lot about the product that goes on in that school district and on the athletic fields and in the auditorium and in the art classrooms. And you want people to feel like they're a part of it. And if your sense of writing is, 
automatically distancing yourself from it all because you're following a structure in an industry that's not your industry. Like that was the mistake. And and it's not like you know what you know at the time, but if you have a team full of former journalists who are 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 writing on behalf of schools and they're covering it as if they're 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 a third party, that's what you're going to get. But but the parents aren't third parties. They're a part of it. So like you got to like write in a way that makes it for the audience that you're communicating it to. So my lesson out of it, I think it was my first original lesson about, you know, the, the old, like hanging above the bedboard, like know your audience. Like <laughs> it was my first lesson of, of understanding, like, who am I talking to and how do they need to be, where are they and how do they need to hear this? And it's just very much guided. It's the first question. And every, everything that we do is, is who is the audience and, and what do they need to hear? Because the answer is not, something that is removed from what their reality is yeah it's not like a boilerplate thing uh i i think that this applies to really any any art form um and you mentioned like starting something new whether it's a new job or or it's a new hobby we're i think that we come into these situations feeling you know not the most confident and knowing that we have to put our time in. But I think, you know, when I asked you that question, like, was there a moment or did it kind of happen over time? I think it will always happen over time for everyone going through a, a growth period like this. And I do think that there needs to be some elements of like looking at, at what other people are doing and having an understanding of the structure, like knowing that that AP structure is out there is great for you to reference, but you can pick it apart and make it fit into, like you said, into the audience or, or to, to whatever it is that you're into what you're trying to create for what you're trying to create. So I think it's, it's kind of a culmination of you will find your voice, your voice for your audience by just continuing to do more and more of it. And I, I see that in, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about writing in this, but I've seen that even in, if I look at my Etsy shop, which is still up and running, and I still have so many old products in there that I created 10 years ago. I'm coming up on the 10 year anniversary of when I launched my Etsy shop. What is and... that, paper? Wood? It's the 10 year. I just want to know so I know what to get you. That's, okay, that's... okay. Yeah, I will we'll have to look that tin? up. Tin? Is it tin? The 10 year? Let's look yeah. it up. I mean, you may have to sculpt me something. Oh, no, then we're out. <laughs> I'll do wooden paper. If I have to get plaster out, we're not, we're not doing it's this. It's 10 push ups. I'm sorry, you're not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me see. 10 year anniversary gift. A scrawny body, isn't Oh, you're right. Tin, tin or aluminum. Nice. So what, like aluminum foil, maybe I'll make you, I'll, I'll make you I'll, a I'll swan, ma- like a leftover swan. Right. I was going to say, I'll make you something to eat and I'll wrap it in tin foil. And, Perfect. Yeah. That's Perfect. See, this is like in your style, in your voice. Right. Yes. What was I saying? I'm, su- I'm such a great friend. <laughs> <laughs> and an even better gift giver that I still have things like 10 year old things in my Etsy shop that I've just left there. And a lot of times when I look at them, I'm like, this isn't, first of all, the concept of me even having a principal shop is not 
me at all. That was very much me following what was trendy 10 years ago and saying like, okay, yeah, like, I guess I could do that. And that, that was very much me not having a sense of who I was and what my voice was and where my talents lied or laid, lied. Lead? <laughs> lead. <laughs> it's not lead. <laughs> Retake some writing courses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's, that's part of it. It's, it's like knowing your audience, but it's also figuring out your own voice and then being confident to, to use it going forward and breaking out of these, these structures that are, they're in place to kind of give us a, a starting point. And I guess in some industries, a standard, but mm. I think for the, for the best, any of like any artist who is known as being like exceptional or being, you know, legendary are the people that broke out of all of those. Right. Those right. Are the things that, yeah, those are the things that people like, those are the things that people remember you know, and like we've talked a lot on our on our, you know, in conversations about that, like that concept of build your box and play in it. And like it's but the, 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 it's your box. Right. So it's like it's I, I was so struck by the way that you described going through design classes in college, because that is very like you can't like get away from the grid if you're looking at something in InDesign or or wherever you're in. But like when you had talked about, you know, the real art and the creativity and whatnot comes from when you expand the boundaries and maybe go outside of of the grid, that is like in its definition, it's it that is building your box. Like that's setting that parameter that you function in, that that you live in. And I think that that's like what we should all try to do our best to aspire to that. Like, you know, there are, you know, there are standards, but like the more you're able to 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 explore outside of them and then set set a new parameter that's where you live that's where you sort of stay and the more that you're able to do that i think the more difference you make in the work that you're producing and the more of the impact that it ends up having the person who corrected your paper seemed or at least this is how i'm reading this story very hung up on like you failed to do this and you didn't address this or like there there you know there's a disconnect here and you were breaking all the rules. And maybe at that time, I don't, I don't know whether or not you really grasped the concept of the AP style, like if you knew it as well as they did, or if you didn't care. But I think that for any of these people who become these great artists, it is in a way a rebellion against that. But it's not it's not that they don't know what it, what the, you know, what the grid is, what the rules are, what the structure is. They're choosing to say like, yeah, I see that, but what I'm doing does not fit into that, into that mold. I'm going to do something different. So I think for anyone who's, who's starting something new and, and going into a new venture, like familiarize yourself with, with whatever your structure is within your field but do not feel like you need to stay there. Even I think in the, in the earliest stages, I bet that paper that you wrote is fantastic. Thank you. You know, we should, I should, I should dig that out. I will, I'll, I'll take a, a screenshot of it and, and send it to you. Um, I, I remember having fun writing it because it felt so different. It felt so like cutting edge and, and new. And um, I, I think the way it ended up 
you know, it's probably more of one of those things you just sort of have to like redefine in your mind of like, well, this was growth. Like this was, this was my first step into this process. And by doing that and being met with that level of like editing resistance, um, it, it, it might've knocked me back a peg, but it also allowed me to sort of develop my own point of view, um, that, you know, for a while I just felt like I was going off of what everyone else was doing. But when you stop and look around and you see your environment for what it is through your eyes and trust your eyes, like everyone has a point of view. It's just about using it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, that's where you really start to like, you know what you're talking about, you know what you see, you know why you want to take a certain, make a certain decision on something, you know, why the creative concept that you have had kicking around your head for, you know, the last couple of months is something that'll be really good follow it, you know, follow your instinct and follow that purpose because that's where the fun comes from. That's where the growth comes from. And that's where that new box ends up getting sort of defined where you get the joy to play. in it. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media, tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Well, when I was a kid, we did a tour of Gettysburg and like with your family, we, yeah. Yeah. I didn't like dress up or anything. No, no. no. I mean, like, that. was it a school thing or? No, with my family. Like, I can't imagine this happening now, although maybe they still do it this way. But it's we're in we were in the car and the tour guide got in the car with us. And like, he was a lot of stranger in your car. Right. I don't think it would be like allowed anymore. But 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 he was in the car with us. I, I think my mom and dad were in the front seat and he was in like the middle seat and my sister and I were in the back seat but I'm picturing him just like sitting between you and Liz and just like and being into like dressed up in a costume and you just being like <laughs> yeah. no yeah. and he's just narrating like what this is or what that is and then he's asking us questions along the way and like I'm miserable at this point because it's hot I don't care about anything and he's asking questions and he's like you know, now, Stephen, how 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 quick do you think you could reload a musket with with pellets and this right? And he's asking and, and like like and then get a, get off another round. And I was just like, I don't know, like 30 seconds. And then like he like laughed as if like I should know better. And I'm just like, I don't know. I still don't know. What's the answer? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds miserable. No wonder why so many people died. <laughs>